Hey guys, this is Blake Hunt. Thanks for tuning in to Friars on the Farm podcast. on the farm podcast i'm donovan jones and to my right is roy hello everybody how's it going roy it's rainy it is rainy thursday afternoon i got hailed on on my way down here oh god i, I called I, I called in sick today i just if, if you hear me folks and i sound like death warmed over it's because i feel like death warmed over and i i, I did a split last night where i got home like 11 o'clock and I had to get up really early again and i got up and i've been sick and i just said i couldn't do it so now you got a voice for radio? Is so, that kind of... So now i got a voice for like I'm, a... I'm picking up some of that. Some kind of crappy voice or something. Uh, anyways, uh, we are here to talk about minor league baseball. And today, just today, uh, the Chihuahuas released their 2019 promotional schedule. You know, I haven't had a chance to look at that. There's all, it, there's all your... I didn't. I get a peek at it. Just a little bit of your requisite kind of stuff that they have every you know, like military day. They'll have a Star Wars day. They'll have a... A puppy day. Some cool giveaways. Yeah, some cool giveaways. I didn't really look too deep into it because I uh, just didn't have the energy for it today. Uh-huh. But uh, we'll go over that perhaps in the future. But that was kind of cool. Um, Wait, so- you're supposed to get me pumped up about reasons to go out to El Paso. Like they're going to give away some stuffed chihuahua or a bag of fried I, grasshoppers to everybody who goes in the door. I think a stuffed chihuahua would be pretty bad. That, why? That Because you don't hand out stuffed animals of the mascot. Maybe it's a, a plush stuffed doll. Well, I, I just thought like... What if they were giving away real chihuahuas? Right. That would be amazing. From the shelter. I saw that today it was the Padres and Puppies Day. It was very nice. Yeah, so that was that was fun, watching the, the Padres players play with puppies. It, it, yeah. Speaking of spring training, I, Chris Paddock had his first live batting practice the other day. He did. He did have his first live batting practice. And, and in that group was Fernando Tatis Jr., was Luis Urias, was uh, the veteran Ian Kinsler. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's my wife calling, but we're going to ignore her. Uh, and <laughs> Sorry, Liddy. So they get a first look. And if you saw the AJ Casabell tweet and you saw some of the video on Twitter, uh, he looked pretty good. Oh, he looked incredible. And AJ asked Luis and Fernando after the, their session was done what it looked like. And they're like, nasty. Yeah. I, the, in the video, the first pitch that he throws is, I think it's a changeup. It's either a yeah. changeup or a curveball. I think it's a changeup because it didn't have much of a hump to it. Um, but and then the next pitch, the arm, the arm looked exactly the same, and then just laser yeah. right, right past Tatis. <laughs> and then a third pitch, and Tatis was way out in front of it and barely got a piece of it and fouled it off. Yeah, and you can see even from the distance of that video that was pretty far away. Like that's not a major league swing. That's a, on your front foot. I just got. Fooled. Oh, yeah. Swing. Um, but Ian Kinsler, the veteran, did hit one to the warning track off him. So he did get hit. But okay. That's, you know, that's from a veteran there. Yeah, and it's batting practice. I, it's, you know, it's, it's early. It's the first batting practice session of the season. So yeah. how good is he going to be? Um, real quick, William Bohr of the MLB Pipeline reported that the Arizona Fall League will start September 17th this year which is going to overlap with the major league season. Oh, that's odd. It, it is odd, and I don't know why. And there's got to be a reason for it. Well, you know, it, you don't see a whole lot of AAA players right. make play in the fall league. Right. So usually it's people are done with full season ball, and they're not on the 40-man roster. They're going to go to the fall league. It's like you. It's I've heard it referred to as a finishing school. Yeah. But it's rare that you see somebody that's that advanced that they're close to major league. So it's not like the guys that are on the forty man getting their September call up are going to be pulled away to go play in Arizona. 
yeah. they, they'd be better off working with the big league team anyway. It's just it, it's just weird, and I don't know. I, I you know I I don't know exactly the end of the minor league season, but it's got to be somewhere right around there. So maybe it's closer to the end of the uh, minor league season. Well, their season ends before the big league season. Yeah. Right, but, but right around September 17th. Yeah, so maybe that makes sense. Maybe I if know. I had better prep, I would know those answers and yeah. have some more information for you guys here. So what else was going on today? Um, what else happened today? Oh, I saw this thing on Twitter. Um, the Padre signed a guy. Padre, um, yeah. something Manny Machado. Manny, Manny Machado! Machado! Manny Machado! Woo! He's just signed with the Padres. Manny Machado! Manny Machado! Holy crap. It's a whole new, brand new day. Oh, my God. Crazy, so, crazy, crazy. The largest contract in the history of North American sports, and the Padres of all teams were the ones to cut it, cut that check. Yeah, for all the doubt, and, and I doubted. Who doesn't doubt your team? Who doesn't criticize your team? Who doesn't want the team to be better? Sure, but come on, don't. I mean, they punched us in the face with some goodness there, with like, oh yeah, bam. Well, but this is at the end of an offseason where it started off with Ron Fowler saying, yeah, we're not going to go after guys like Manny Machado who want 10 years and $300 million. And then there was the whole debt reduction thing with Kevin Acey putting out that article and the aftermath from that. And it just seemed like a whole bunch of, you know, dragging their feet like, yeah, we're not going to spend this year. We'll maybe next year. And then all of a sudden we had a glimmer of hope and it freaking happened. Well, and I I think. Well, and when he said that, because he said that on social media or on social um, the social, social summit. summit, yeah. But he said it on the radio too, and he said it on the radio, and I was like, "Well, yeah, we're we're the Padres. We don't do that, you know." That's yeah. Like I wasn't pissed. Some other people were like, "Oh, that's that's just the Padres being defeated," which I understand that. But as a lifelong Padre fan, no evidence before, even with the Hosmer signing, none of that really showed that they were going to go that far and do that. Yes, and. As that process lagged on, as other teams, you know, they didn't sign right away. I think that's when AJ just went to Uncle Ryan. He's like, dude, 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 dude. <laughs> well, and finally, Ron's like, Peter, deal with him. Peter's I, yeah. like, we're going to sign him. I, I don't think this was Ron's <laughs> call at all. I've, I've heard that, that Preller reports to Seidler. He doesn't right. report to Ron. Maybe Ron has more to do with the, the business operations side of it. I, I don't know how right. they divide their, their roles. But it sounds like the budget that Preller is given comes from Seidler. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, looking back on this with kind of rose-colored glasses, um, I think sometimes Ron, when he speaks, he speaks like a fan. Like oh, when yeah. he busted on James Shields, he didn't speak as the owner of the team. He spoke as a pissed-off fan because we were all pissed yeah. that, that he was sucking. Uh, Primary Lane wasn't doing so well. It, it makes me think of, now this is before my time, but apparently Ray Kroc got on the, the microphone at a Padres at game a Padre and game. apologized to the fans in attendance yeah. because of the quality, of the, quality of the team. Um, but but if, those days are so far behind us now. God, they are so far behind us. And so let's talk about that for a minute. From from our side, from the minor league side, Yes, it impacts just one guy signing impacts so many guys uh-huh. in the minor league system. Yeah. So before a, a week ago, we were saying that Ty France had a reasonable chance of right. being the starting third baseman. Right. And I thought when this whole talking to Manny Machado thing started, I was thinking, okay, we'll wind up, maybe we'll wind up with Mike Moustakis, maybe right. somebody like that. But odds are they'll bring in Marwin Gonzalez, Alcides Escobar, or some, you know, the the fifth or sixth option out there on the on the free agent market. Maybe Young Garvis Salarte would be our third baseman again. I right, mean, but, then but those why? guys those guys started getting signed. Yeah, and then I'm like, okay, maybe Marwin could play a little third base until Hudson Potts is up. Yeah, well, but it, that was the other thing though that people are saying. Oh well, let's get a stopgap because Hudson Potts. And at the same time, 
Hudson Potts is a exciting. He's an exciting guy. He's got power. He can play third, but he's got a lot. He's got holes in his swing. He's got some real issues There's that he needs to clean up. Though, yeah. And so he's easily two years away from yeah. major league. And he's 19. Yeah. So it, we're. We're, we're eager. We see these guys. You see Buddy Reed doing things in the Futures game. You go, yeah, that's the guy. The experts say that Buddy Reed might be a fringe fourth outfielder. That's right. his proje- projection. Right. That He might be Travis Jankowski in a best case. Right. So, yes, Manny Machado. Right now, if you look at the Padres infield, you've got four players that are all under team control until I think at least 2023. Yeah, 2023-22. Is when the first guy dropped, when Hosmer has an opt-out. Yeah. So all of those guys, if they stay healthy, they're starting every single day. There's there's yeah. no and then you've got a backup. You've got Ian Kinsler on contract this year and, and next, next year. And then you've got Greg Garcia. So these are the types of players that you have on a major league roster that is built for con- competition. Yeah. Not for development. Yeah. So Ty France has no there's no room for Ty France on the major league, the twenty five man roster, unless mm-hmm. there's injuries. There's no room for Javier Guerra. Um, who, yeah, you mentioned Hudson Potts. And then guys like um, Esteban Quiroz, Seth Mejias Breen. Um, God, I can't believe you remembered his name. I was yeah, like, I can't remember that guy's name. Jason, Jason Vossler. Voss, right, all the guys. And they're and all AAA depth at this point now. Pretty much. And, you know, for me, Ty France hit really well in, in, in AAA. He did. And, uh, you know, he's not going to be your gold glove caliber guy at third, but he's going to play a solid to add, you know, a major league average third base and maybe develop into a hitter, maybe develop into that utility role. At major but, league average is a pretty high level of performance. Yeah. So it, to me, he's, he, I, we, we talked to him a couple weeks ago and I feel bad saying things that aren't totally complimentary about people. That, right. I, but I'm kind of really pepper my, to me, be very diplomatic. Cause to it's, me, he's a fringe, he's like a four a player. So maybe when he's in a few years, he might be putting up like Jamie Romack had that one year where he destroyed in in El Paso. Right. But even then, he didn't crack the bigs. Right. And you see somebody like Christian Villanueva that finally got a chance when he was, what, 27, 28? Um, Maybe that'll be Ty France with another organization. But when you're looking at the infield that the Padres have right now, you you can't hold a spot for a guy. Yeah. And today, I think I read it was uh, AJ Casabell. Red um, had wrote, had talked to Ty and asked about it, and Ty was just like, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just here trying to win a spot on the squad. Um, I'm excited to learn and play with him to uh, elevate my game. Uh huh. Very well, very solid answer. Mm-hmm. Not no tinge of like I'm pissed. Even when he was talking to us, he's we're like, hey, so, you know, because there was talk of Manny Machado being signed by us, but. When we were talking to him, we're like, it's looking like you're going to be the guy. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, if you remember the art, the interview was like, yeah, I'm just uh, very humble. I'm just trying to make the squad. Yep. Which is a minor leaguer, absolutely. Yeah. And he he made the extension one year in A ball, next year in double A, or mm-hmm. a- advanced to double A, to triple A. So he's moved up every year by hitting. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, you know, in the Valley way, I say that he's not going to be a, an everyday major league player. If he, like you said, but if he can find himself um, good enough to find a, a role in major league baseball, and I think there is a role for him in major league baseball. There certainly would have been a role for him here in San Diego had not, uh, you know, this week happened. Um, and that's, and that's okay. That's going to happen. And some of these guys that come up, like who says Potts is ever going to hit? 
it, there's a chance that he might. Right. But if he does, then he'll be sitting there in El Paso, what, a year or two from now, looking good. And then either an opportunity shows up and he gets right. a chance to come up and play right. because somebody gets hurt or there's a need somewhere else on the Padres roster. Maybe there's a pitcher they want to go get or something like that. There's, you know, that that last piece that they need of the puzzle and he becomes a part of that. So do you rush out and do that now? No, 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 no. Um, if, well, if the right player is available and the players that the Padres would move to acquire him make sense, then I think, yes, you would. Okay. So. Like I, I threw out an idea, and it's, I'm sure this has no bearing in reality, but I thought if they <laughs> traded something like um, Hunter Renfro, Josh Naylor, and Ty France to the Cleveland Indians for Trevor Bauer, that's a Wouldn't play. get it done. It's not enough to get it done. It has to be AJ Morhone. It has to be a Baez. Yeah, and that's I, 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 we get attached to our prospects. I know, and I, these are guys that I don't want to give up, but. If you're going to bring in somebody who's going to be around for at least a little while and is going to have the right impact on the team, then you've got to think about doing it. And right now, when you're looking at a group of position players that are interesting, exciting players that have a chance to do something, and you can bring in that guy, I'm a huge Trevor Bauer fan. Yeah. I feel like he would be pretty much like a pitching coach on the roster. So if you brought him in and he could work with the players and you know, make everybody around him better, you, you bring him in. So then let's talk about that for a second. The A, I would go Corey Kluber uh, simply because uh, I, I like Bauer on uh, on social media. I love following him on Twitter. I love how he just his dry humor and get backs on people. But he is a, you know, where Manny Machado is the controversial kind of on the field kind mm -hmm. of antics. I mean, this yeah. is going back to throwing a bat at Josh Donaldson when he was with the A's. Oh, jeez. Um, to, you know, some of the stuff on social media, which I, in a way, almost think is worse. Mm -hmm. Oh, Trevor Bauer is cocky. He's cocky as hell. You know, um, getting extreme with, with some with some of the LGBT community, LGBTQ. Okay, I, um, I didn't see it, any of that. It got, there was something, and he continued to go after her and go after her, and oh, it got I to the I media. This is a couple, several okay. weeks ago, about three yeah. weeks ago. Um, that's almost worse than being a dirty player on the field. It is because it, it draws way. the wrong attention. Right. Um, you don't want that distraction when you're going through a playoff push. Right. So I, I get that. But and to, to answer your question, if the right player is out there, you make the move. I just don't know if that moves there right now. Right. Um, if you look at the candidates for the rotation, the, the Padres had one of the worst pitching staffs in baseball last year. 5.04 ERA just... Yeah, pretty bad. This year, they've got a bunch of talented young guys that are all going to be in the mix, but it's a lot of left-handers, and there's not really any veteran presence nope. there. So I'm I'm surprised we haven't seen them pick up more minor league, more you know veterans on a minor league deal. Right. But then there's a lot of guys out there that are still like Irvin Santana is still looking for a job. Uh, there, there's a handful of guys that are still experienced and might be pitchers. Not Sonny Gray, but uh, you know Gio Gonzalez. Um, See, Gio Gonzalez is left-handed. Dallas Keuchel is left-handed. Left-handed. So if you're going to put them in the same rotation as Woof. Lucchese and Lauer and Erlin and Strom and Logan Allen, and it's a bunch of left-handers, and what, your right-handers are Brian Mitchell and Luis Perdomo, I hope Chris Paddock is in the mix. And, right, right, right. Chris Paddock, it's, in my opinion, I'll be surprised if he makes more than 20, 22 starts. And I don't know how much that is going to be shared between minors and majors. Right. Well, and it's funny because I talked to Lance Brozdowski this week on Twitter, and um, he had mentioned that 
that he could see um, Paddock doing 120, 140 innings. Okay. Which I thought was pretty aggressive. Like after mm-hmm. a ninety after a ninety inning season, almost doubling it. Well, stepping up from ninety to 120, 130 seems pretty common. Pushing it to one forty, one fifty, I I, I don't know the limits of the human body right. and, and what that all entails. There's people that are much smarter than me with a lot of data and all of that. That, that and, but it seems like that's the tradition, the, the the standard progression these days. They go from 90 to about 120, and then they finally step up to 150, 180, and then once they've gotten through that, then they cut the reins loose. He had he had stated he had he said to some other guy that had gone through similar uh, trajectory as Paddock, and like the next year after his like 90 or so. Inning season went up to 140, and okay. it's fine. And it's okay. fine. Um, it probably has more to do with the number of pitches, really, than right. the innings. Right. And that was one thing that I was glad to hear Chris talk about last year because he was limited not to innings but to 80, 85 pitches per game. And so he started trying to be more efficient with his pitches. So he was drawing a little bit more contact and getting deeper into games because he wanted to finish games. Right. And, and it, it, re- it reminded me of Jacob Nix when he got pulled out of a, of a game in double A. Uh, and it was like one out left and he got <laughs> pulled. And I remember he went in and he like, he, Paddock was a double A at the time. Oh, that's right. And that's he like right. grabbed They're him like, by the shoulders and went, oh, just one bad pitch, effed me up. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's to quote Bud Black, that's baseball. Okay. So, so we, we were on Chris Paddock, uh, Anderson Espinoza has thrown his first bullpen. Yes. And he looked good. And people were saying that the ball is jumping out of his hand. His stuff looks a little bit electric, you know, because he's not all the way up, right. but he's throwing bullpens. So he's going to be on, it sounds like he's going to be on the track that Chris Paddock was on last year. Okay. On a similar, I don't know whether that's going to be Lake Elsinore or somewhere else. Um, I was looking at his numbers and his performance in single A before he got injured. Six. Weren't all that great. His no. ERA was high and all of that. Uh, but really, there you can't stat, scout the stat line. Right, uh, has more to do with you know the the repertoire, the control, the sequencing, all of that stuff, and what's going to be appropriate for his comp- competitive level. I think they're going to keep him an extended for a while. Yeah, after the beginning of the minor league season, keep him an extended just really to build up that arm strength, uh-huh. really to make sure that he is locked in with control and and with the the pitches, and then that's how they're going to kind of monitor mm-hmm. his workload. So he's on the 40-man roster. He's If they send him to Lake Elsinore, I could see – so I think I brought this up a, a while ago. There was one time that there was a trade, and Kyle Lloyd was in Lake Elsinore, and they brought him in for a spot start. Okay. Because of the, the proximity and all of that, and he, was, he happened to be – no, he wasn't on the roster. Jose Ruiz was on the roster. Um, so they brought both of those guys in to fill in for one game and then send him back. So I could see – in the, if the stars aligned, I could see Anderson Espinosa getting a call up just out of need more than anything. Ah, interesting. What are you reading there? Nothing. I'm just trying to text my wife to be <laughs> in quiet. Just come in quiet. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. You so, don't think she'll be able to hear us like booming down the hallway before she walks in? Uh, probably me, but I sound like a drunk sailor. Um, that kind of sounded like Popeye the Sailor. God, we're getting way off track here. Uh, later on, we're going to be talking to Blake Hunt. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. But he's going to be catching some of these guys. He's going to be right. And we have a lot. I, like, he's been in camp for about a week now, mm-hmm. and they just started mini camp today. Yes. Um, officially, the, the mini camp where it's invite only mini camp. And, and what I read today was a lot of those guys 
were invited last year. Yeah. Coming in again this year. So yep. they have their the core people that they want to see move up or, or get extra work in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's get back to this for a minute. Oh, uh, David, it, David J. Uh, of Mad Friars published an article today that had the roster for that minicamp. So check that out if you're looking for more information. Uh, I just thought that he did a uh, he did a podcast talking about who's going to be in Amarillo. Really? Todd talks about baseball podcast. Really? Okay. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I, I, I just saw it today. I haven't listened to it. But yeah, Angela asked me that question a lot. That I'll bring somebody up and she's like, oh, is he going to be in El Paso? And like, or, or, is she like, is he in El Paso? No. Nobody's assigned to any team right no. now. Nobody's a Padre right now. It's just a bunch of people in spring training. We can guess and say, oh, he's probably going to go to San Antonio or to um, Amarillo or whatever. But, right. And we keep asking those guys, so where do you think you're going to be? And they're like, he's like, I have no idea. Yeah. And on some level, they probably <laughs> don't even care all that much. Absolutely. Um, but let's go back to the major league team for a minute. Cause we got, there's really folks, there's really not that much to talk about. And this is very interesting, um, <laughs> very interesting topic. Yeah. So you got a very, very young core infield. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, well, the, the mean, corners on the corners, you have, you have Hosmer that needs to have a bounce back season. Yeah. You have, um, Manny Machado on third, that is a great guy in the, everything I've been hearing. And this is not just from local radio, but this is the stuff I see on MLB mm-hmm. is, um, he's a great guy in the clubhouse. He's a quiet guy. He's going to be, he's going to show you with his work ethic and his play more than being in the dugout or, you know, being in the locker room going like, Hey, let's go. I think that's going to be more Hosmer's role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More vocal. Yeah. Very friendly. Very likes everybody. Gets along and has that voice. And I think Manny's going to be that quiet leader. Yeah. At the same time, though, I think we're going to see Machado take some of the Latin guys under his arm because I, Tatis has idolized him and they've been friends for a while. And Urias has been friends with with Manny Machado. And so I, I think that there's a relationship that's going to form there. It might not be the most vocal thing in the clubhouse, but still, there's a, a leader role, like right. a protege, mentor kind of a thing. Well, and and so, let me ask you this: Manny slides late into second. Looks kind of looks kind of sketchy. Maybe a little bit of a dirty play there. Uh huh. Do you think that kind of rubs off on the young guys, or how much do you think that really matters? I. Some of it matters. Other than a bad optics. Other so than it if, looked bad. if it's a hard slide, that's one thing. The whole kicking and stepping on a first baseman's foot. Exactly. That's, that's a whole different thing. And I, I would like to know what that was about. Um, in the clubhouse, I know that Rod Barajas is the bench coach. And I would like to think that he's going to have some sway and the ability to pull a guy aside and go, hey, what the F was that? Right. Um, and Eric Hosmer grew up in South Florida. He speaks Spanish. So he would be able to pull somebody aside and do the same thing too. Uh, I, peop, I think the whole thing with Ian Kinsler and bat flips and all this is a little bit overplayed because this, the, the game of baseball is evolving. The unwritten rules are being rewritten. So, Absolutely. And they've been, that was what, three years ago that, that Ian Kinsler said that? The game has evolved so quickly over mm-hmm. those last three years mm-hmm. that, I mean – Coaches are having to get used to Resposito, and they're gonna have to get used to other ways that are that players are using to 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 help them perform and change their you know and change their performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's been a sea change since when he said that in the last World Baseball Classic to now. Oh, now yeah. he may not have he may not have changed his mind, but I certainly don't think he's gonna go like you know he hits a walk off dinger in the ninth and he tosses the bat 
I think Kinsler's going to be on that top step. Oh, yeah. Just as much as, you know, he wouldn't be like, oh, the, look at that. Look, oh, see, everyone high fives him. But Kinsler's all grumpy with his arms crossed. Oh. No, no, it's not going to be no. like that. He's gonna, it's, I think there's an evolution. But then at the same time, if somebody does something against the Padres, he might be somebody speaking up saying, hey, we got to get him, you know. A little old school. I, yeah. I, he'll be like the angry, pissed off guy. Like, yeah, go get him, Kinsler. So the the like stepping on first stuff. base, I I do wonder if there's going to be a close play at first <coughs> a, a, against the Cubs, if Anthony Rizzo's foot is going to get stepped on a little bit. Now, see, I would approve of that. I I might approve of that. I might approve of that. So I want to talk about what. So the effect on Machado, on the young guys, on Urias, on on Tatis, you know, on. Framil Reyes for for lack you know for another guy that's young uh-huh. a young Latin player, because um, there's going to be an adjustment period. There's going to be the period when when Urias goes you know two for twenty five or or Tatis goes you know over nineteen or over whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where the leadership that he's going to have is really going to make. They're yeah. gonna, it's going to happen. There's going to be a development. There's going to be that learning curve in Major League Baseball. I think what Machado will bring. Is that like it's going to be okay? Well, yeah, like, you put your arm around the guy and say, right. "Hey, let's go have dinner and talk about what just happened, what's, right. what we're go- what's going on." And and you can't quantify those things, but I think you can certainly you can. It'll make those stretches um, maybe a little bit shorter. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe they can get out of those funks a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the protection of the rest of the lineup protection, but the other lineup like they have Machado hitting, they have Hosmer and these to start hitting again. You know, we have other people in the lineup that can protect those guys. As they go through the growing pains. So there was an article that Ken Rosenthal wrote this week. Uh, and he's the guy that interviewed uh, Manny Machado after Game he three? didn't run out a, a hit. And it was a single and it could have been. I think he thought he hit a home run or something. And it wound up going off the monster. And, <laughs> um, but he didn't run hard out of the box. And then in that interview was where the Johnny Hustle comment came out. Right. And Rosenthal felt bad because he felt that that comment got taken out of place he wanted to make sure that the entire quote got used so you could see what he what he really meant and um i would like to think that machado saw how how that was viewed and also how people noticed that he was pulling stuff stepping on people's feet right that that was a maturing moment for him as well so now that he comes to the padres he spent his whole life in the the orioles organization yeah and then he went to the Dodgers for a, you know whatever the end of the season, and now he's finally he's coming into a new team, but he's also coming into a new role. So he's never been the veteran on the team. He's always been the kid over in the corner that hey, that's the that's the star, yeah, it's young a guy. But he wasn't expected to lead, and now you look around, he's pretty much the second oldest player on the roster. At twenty six, the, the third oldest, to second or third oldest. Uh, so he's. He's going to have to change his ways a little bit, and I think that can happen. I, I th- and I think maybe with, I wouldn't be surprised if they did say, "Hey, like we love you playing hard, we love you hustling, we love you doing that stuff," but here's what you have: you have, you know, you have to show these kids that that's that that's you don't do that anymore. Yeah, or that's not the way to play the game. Uh, you can play hard and you know play with fire and maybe a little bit of emotion, but you're right that you. You're now not only just a $300 million man, but you're someone people are looking up to. Mm-hmm. Now, do you want those guys to look up to you? Or do they want you you know, look up to you and go like, oh, and see you do stupid stuff like that? So the Machado versus Harper thing, I, I think that there's, there's kind of a duality between these two guys. And 
Harper, he's always been the playing like he's got his hair on fire, running out hard all the time, running hard into the walls. Hardball. Never gives up on a play. Yeah. That He's got that reputation. But then at the same time, I've heard that he can be a bit of a jerk in the clubhouse. And the whole thing with Papelbon, that Jonathan Papelbon, I'm sure he's a grade A jerk as well. But when he went and grabbed grabbed Harper by the neck, that that tells me that there's something personality-wise that right. wasn't going on. And so Steve Pierce and Jonathan Scope both came out after the season who were former teammates and said glaring things about yeah. about Machado, that he's a fantastic human being. And he, they never had a problem with him as a person in the clubhouse, in the locker room, whatever. But on the field, he just does goofy stuff every once in a while, where right. Harper's kind of the opposite of that. That on the field, everything's balls out. But then behind the, you know, once the door's closed, he maybe he's a jerk and it doesn't, it rubs people the wrong way. And, and that, I think that can affect more than a shitty play. Pardon my language. A, 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 a dirty play or a, a stupid play or an oh, immature yeah. play. Yeah. That'll matter more. Also, and I'm going to say this and I'm probably going to get bitten at it, but there, I, I feel there's a mind, um, almost maybe a racial component to it. Bryce Dude. Harper with that blonde, flowing hair, white guy. Yeah. You know. So he gets away with some so, stuff, you so, see? So he, he's looked up more like, oh, because he's white, that perhaps he's not held to a higher standard. But you see Manny, he's a good-looking guy. He's from Dominican Republic. He's got the but chains. He has that He wears one, the, the right. fancy sunglasses. He's got the suit. He wears the suit with no shirt on underneath. Right. You know? Which, and he has that look. He has kind of a resting, I'm a jerk face. Although he's a really good-looking guy, but just I, 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 maybe it's my own perception. I'm kind of pushing forward here, but this is kind of what I feel. I can see, I can see what is, you're saying. Is that there's like overall in the whole scheme of things, like everyone loves Bryce Harper because he's the all-American boy. There's there is Johnny something Baseball, about Manny you know? Machado that says he knows I'm I'm the I'm the man. I am right. it. Which I you want a player to have that cockiness, yeah. yeah. And I, you want everybody to feel like they're the best player in the world when they yeah. step in that box. So I, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Oh, it's just but I'm fucking incredible. It's it's, it's amazing. It's an dude. amazing week it's in, an amazing in week. the life of a Padres fan. It I was you never think that the Padres are going to get that guy that no I'm used to Preller and these guys being in the conversation, but then it doesn't actually happen. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, even like Yasmani Tomas and Pablo Sandoval when that whole thing was going on, it's like yeah, well, they we're not going to really get them. And. For those things, thank God. Thank you, God they just minded Tomas. Oh yeah, he's been awful, and they can't find a place for him to play. I'm, did he still play for Arizona? He, yeah, he's still on the ride. They paid him a ton of money. Yeah, like forty, like forty million dollar minor league deal. It was whatever. Huge. Yeah, um, and then Pablo Sandoval, they wound up paying him to walk away. Yeah, because he was that bad. Yeah, had a small resurgence, but years later, like after, if we would have signed him, it would have been like, what the hell? What the hell were you thinking? Yeah, well, it would have been James Shields again. Oh my we got to pay him to walk away. I mean, thank God that Fernando Tatis happened, but I, it just, in my opinion, it, in my you know perception, it could have just as easily been somebody who never turned out to be anything. Yeah. yeah. Well, you definitely can say now that we, uh, the San Diego Padres, are on our major league team now and yeah. are on their way. Um, yeah, you can lots- get this small market stuff and throw that right out the window. <laughs> Um, yeah, the Padres have had a low payroll for all these years, but revenue-wise, they're right in the middle of the pack, and now they're swinging a hammer. And they're swinging a hammer, and and I said this on on Twitter was 
Now that you have Machado, now that you have Uris, now you have these homegrown guys on top of this generational talent, those uniforms are going to be flying. Merch is going to be flying off the shelf. Did you see that they put the uniforms oh. out prematurely? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, and then the first thing they asked Ron Fowler, he's like, we do not have a deal with a free agent. Even today, in the presser. Peter Seidler is sitting there right next to him, smiling like the Grinch. <laughs> like, a, like a goose, right? <laughs> I know something, but I can't uh, tell you. <laughs> yeah, so it's just a fantastic day. Um, I don't think, you know, if we play a 500 ball next year, I would be super stoked. I'd be happy with 500 ball, but now that you've got, I would have been happy. Before Manny Machado was here, I thought 500 was a reasonable target to shoot for. But now that he's here, and it's <coughs> the whole the game is changing, and you got to change your, yeah. your your expectations. Now this team has got to be building to win, yeah, and soon. And that means every move that they make. So what happens if Manny Machado is here for a couple of years, and some players wash out, and we're still struggling to break 500, and he feels like this is this is Baltimore all over again? Is he going to be unhappy and start pouting and dragging and dogging it? Mm, could be. We don't know. And that's about the maturity and the growth of the player. I hope we never find out. I hope we never find out. But I think that if some of these do, if they do wash out, that the ownership will trade and make moves. There won't just sit pat and go like, okay, well, this is, we did the best we could. So here we go for the next four years until we can be shitty and draft. Go back into debt reduction, R- right? Reduction mode. You know, go back into whatever. Um, I think they will spend and trade and get rid of guys if they don't, because it's a new day. Oh yeah, I think it's a new day in mm-hmm. in Padres, in, in the history of the organization, in the city of San Diego. I think we're going to start to expect this, at least for the next decade, at least. And I'm not saying that Hosmer or Machado stay here, with what we have in the minor leagues, can sustain this for several years to come. That's if we don't trade them all away for pitching. No. Which we have a ton of. Anyways. We have a ton of it. Anyways, coming up, we're going to have Blake Hunt. Uh, we'll be talking to Blake Hunt here in about a minute or two. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Blake Hunt, the top prep catching prospect in 2017 draft, was committed to play for Pepperdine when the Padres chose him with their third pick, 69th overall. At a matter day high school, the 6'3 backstop with advanced tools shined in Tri-Cities last season, earning high marks for a strong arm, receiving, and game-calling skills. Fully healthy, the 19-year-old showed excellent back control and strike zone awareness with a 271, 371, and 377 slash in 56 games. 47 of those behind the plate. And he joins us here on Fires on the Farm. Blake, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Really happy to be here. So, did you bring swimsuit gear? Did you bring scuba gear? It is just pouring buckets out there now. It is actually today while we were uh, hitting in the cages and finishing up bullpens, it actually started to hail a little bit. So that was uh, kind of gnarly. So that cut your uh, cut your schedule a little short today. Yeah, uh, we just ended up finishing uh, individual work and uh, defense in the in the cages within the big league cages. They have them covered, so it was, it was a work worked out great. We did some agility in there. It was, it was money. So did uh, in the bullpens today? You stood up in with Luis Patino, yeah. I stood in with uh, Tom Cosgrove, Luis Patino, and uh, two other guys, yeah. But that was just standing in. You weren't exactly hitting. It wasn't like live BP, right? It was just standing in. No, no. Yeah, just standing in, getting some, some timing some timing stuff down. Uh, since we haven't seen any arms in a while, it's it's good for the catchers to get in there. It's probably good for the pitchers, too, because they're used to just throwing. You know, having somebody stand there, it changes the perspective, I'd imagine. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's solid for, for catchers to work on while we're behind the plate, too, to give us an idea of uh, where pitches are across the zone, too, as well. So so you've, you're in camp early, or today was actually the beginning of the mini camp. Did you, have you caught bullpen so far? Yeah, uh, today I got to catch uh, Andres Munoz, uh, flamethrower. How's your he hand? Was, uh, right, show me how swelled yeah. up your hand is. He was comfortably sitting mid-90s for his first full bullpen, so that was pretty interesting. Wow. Ugh. Anyone else catching the major leaguers? Um, yeah, I got to catch uh, Lamette last week. Uh, he's rehabbing. He's, he's uh, building up for spring, so I got to catch his pen. Uh, Mackenzie Gore, Adrian Morahone, all the, the top guys, uh, Michelle Baez. I They've saw, all been in. I saw the video of uh, Denelson Lamette. He posted that to Instagram the other day. He's looking good. Yeah, he looked really sharp. He just was sitting fastball changeup with me in the pen. Uh, everything looked really good. I, I'd imagine it's going to be a while until they have – as you're recovering, um, you know, before they have people start throwing breaking stuff, you try to keep the, the, the stress on the ligaments and all that down. Right. right. Yeah. I'm not sure what his full recovery is, but I just kind of step in when they need me and, and, uh, take care of it. But he looked real good. Um, Bilo was there. Yeah. I'm excited to see when he gets back full health. How long have you been in, uh, in Phoenix? Uh, I got in just over a week ago. Um, I kind of called some of the coordinators and asked if it'd be beneficial for me to come out early and get some early work in. And they were more than ecstatic to have me out. Well, and that, that seems to be the case. Like we talked to Sam Guinea earlier, uh, a couple months ago at a, a social summit in, uh, at Peco park. And that facility is open almost 24, seven, 365 days of the week early, like four months ago, we were seeing videos of Adrian Morahone, um, you know, pitching with Baez. Well, Luis Patino said he spent the whole winter there one year. Yeah, last year. Working out. So that definitely that definitely served him well. He had a good year. Oh, man. For sure. So who are you who are you rooming with right now? Uh, Owen Miller. Uh, he just came in for a minicamp as well. Uh, we're good buddies since we played together in Tri-City. Get along real well. It's uh, good to have him back out here. You guys have any, any Fortnite tournaments or anything like that going on? Uh, I play a little bit of Fortnite. He doesn't. He stays away from the video games. He he doesn't want to get too addicted. But uh, yeah. Interesting. I, this is a question you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Who who pays for the room? Who pays for the apartment? Uh, we're just in a hotel right now, but the Padres take care of all the room and board for us. Okay, that's that was a very interesting question. I didn't know if you could answer that or not. Or that's a hot button. But issue. then minor leaguers aren't paid for spring training. Right. Oh yeah, we 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 don't get paid for spring training, but if you come out here for optional, like early, um, I'm pretty sure that we're just supposed to take care of all of our room and board on our own. But while we're required to be here, they take they take care of it. Okay, because the whole pay scale has been a, a topic of discussion lately, and with that that what there was legislation that was passed in Congress last year that kind of um, and going on right now in Arizona with the yeah. minimum wage law. Yeah, and then Emily, I don't know if you know who Emily Walden is. She writes for The Athletic, and she's been kind of championing the whole, you know, pay minor leaguers a, a living wage thing. Um, so that's something that we we try to touch on from time to time because we know it's a struggle. And some guys sign for, for a big bonus. Some guys don't. Some people come to this country with really nothing in their hands, but they're just trying to make a living. Uh, who is it? We talked to somebody that's working at UPS in the offseason. Gabe Moser. Gabe yeah. Moser got a promotion at his UPS job over the fall. <laughs> yeah so and it's just interesting to me to to see that the major leaguers get paid and they get all the great food and the good accommodations and then the minor leaguers you know you got to pay if you're going to come and work out well okay you got to pay for your own hotel room and but we're not going to pay you while you're here i i just find that to be an interesting 
kind of a, a, a break. But we digress. Uh, hardball question. So you grew up a Giants fan living up in L.A. How'd that fly? Yeah, so my mom was actually a Dodgers fan. She grew up in L.A. That's where the games her dad took her to. Uh, took her to. And uh, I had family that lived up in San Jose. And ever since I was a kid, I started getting Giants gear sent to me. All right, all and, right. Yeah, whenever uh, whenever Posey got drafted, he, was, uh, he became my favorite player uh, instantly. Um, I actually got to meet him a few years ago, which is pretty cool. Signed a jersey for me. That was a really cool experience. Uh, now that I'm obviously playing in the division rival, can't say that anymore. Definitely all in on the Padres for sure. It's okay. I mean, you're allowed to like the teams you liked growing up as long as, you know, when the time comes for you to strap up and right. play on the big league team that you're, you know, all in. Well, did you meet him at a, at a function or did you meet him like at a, like, Oh, go meet the player. Uh, we actually have uh, an old family friend that happened to do some business with the Giants, and he kind of knew he's my favorite player. And he's like, "Hey, I got this unique opportunity, and I got to go up there and uh, hang out with some of the players and had dinner with Jake Peavy. Uh, he's a great guy, good experience. Definitely, even as a 13, 14 year old, to get to hang around guys like that, it's pretty, pretty cool." So, uh, do you model your? Do you have you kind of modeled yourself after Buster Posey, or you know, look at his his workout routines or anything like that? Uh, not necessarily. I kind of, I'm a, a little bit bigger, different build. I kind of got to, to sit a little differently to get low. Um, I kind of do my own game on my own. It's definitely good to, to watch major leaguers and see what helps them, what makes them tick, what helps them get to where they need to be. But I think for me, honestly, I kind of just run my game the way my body allows me to. I nice. don't really take much after other guys. Well, and I guess Buster Posey was a shortstop through college. Yeah. And then converted to catcher. Were you been a catch have you been a catcher pretty much your whole life? Yeah. Uh younger I played some other positions. I pitched, played shortstop, but basically once I get to high school it was just catching. Interesting. I um and, and Buster Posey's a good guy in the organization. He's a good guy in the community. He's not although the Buster Posey rule is a kind of a thing with the Padre fans. Um well, he's but a good for, guy. That's you know, for different that's, reasons. And that's, that's there, there's some history where Austin Hedges got taken out and it was an ugly play and the rule wasn't deployed properly right. by the umpires, in my opinion. But that's that's a, that's another subject matter. So you, you played a pretty talent-laden league, man. You, uh, Royce Lewis, Hunter Green. Yeah, Nick Prado, uh, Hagen Danner, Hans Kraus. Those are all some of my good friends back home. Definitely a lot of talent. Um, obviously, Southern California is loaded uh, every year. It uh, showcases summer ball, winter ball. I mean, even our, our backfields action just to get in some games in the winter. Always a ton of scouts there to see some talented guys. It definitely was helpful because I knew I got to see other guys and I knew where they were at in the draft process. And right. it kind of gave me a good idea of what I needed to do to get there. So did you hit, did you, uh, hit against Green? I never, uh, faced, uh, I never faced Hunter on the mound. We played against his high school at my, at my place and he played shortstop and I got to talk to him a little bit. All right. I don't know him. That, I don't really know him that well. I just know he's a he's a talented player. So uh, more more with uh, the Trinity League guys, uh, Royce Lewis, Garrett Mitchell, Dan or Prado. So you weren't playing in as many of the showcases until you're like the very end of your senior year, right? Yeah, um, I kind of didn't sprout until my senior year. I kind of my decided I needed to, to start turning it on. I started working out harder, put on a lot of weight, started working out with Brent Maine. Definitely got me to the place I needed to be. Um, yeah, I started doing a couple of those showcases. I came out to here to the PRS Sports Complex for the Arizona Fall Classic. 
I did an MLB pipeline event. And I think after those two events specifically, I kind of, my draft stock per se kind of took off. So Austin Hedges went to high school in the same, same area where you did. Did you guys, did you happen to work with any of the people that Austin worked with um, as he was coming up? Yeah, we actually have the same hitting coach. We hit a little bit together during the off season. Oh, no kidding. No, I mean like back when you were in high school. Yeah, um, I Joe DeMarco is my hitting coach. I've had him since my sophomore year. He's got a couple other big league guys, Matt Chapman, Austin Hedges. And it was pretty cool because Hedgie obviously had already developed into the major leaguer he was when I was still in high school. Right. But it was cool. It was, for me, it was I was just starstruck when he would come around and, and hit with me, and it was cool. Well, I guess it's, pro- it's probably a good kind of model to follow because he was – Drafted out of high school, known as a premium defender, premium defender. Um, and needed to work on on the bat. And he's come a long way. Uh, and you've started down that same path. So the path that we kind of don't want you to go down or maybe you want to <laughs> go down this is the walk up song. Um, it's funny because he was on our local radio station this uh, today and he's talking about because he had careless whisper from um George Michael, yeah. George Michael, yeah. And Wham, which, yeah. Oh my God, which was huge here, but it's you know still it's not you're like you don't like you want like rock and roll or like I don't know something a little tougher, but uh, it, it worked. And, and then it, it moved to sexual healing. What's your walk up song? Uh, I have a lot, and I have every genre in the book covered. Uh, I like to mix it up, but I definitely have a lot of respect for Austin for picking that. Um, he's not going to listen think, to this. You can be truthful. Okay. No, no, I'm, to- I'm totally honest. When I first heard it, when I was watching games at home in high school, I loved it. Uh, I, it definitely, it's a bold call, but if you can roll with it, then absolutely. Oh, dude, they sold this. They had, they had a whole sexy sax area. Here yeah, they gave Petco. away like inflatable saxophones in, in this one section. It was, it was pretty funny. They played with it. Uh, so you mentioned Brett Maine. Uh, you've also worked with Adam Kennedy quite a bit. Is that in the same uh, facility? Uh, no, actually, um, Adam Kennedy happened to be my high school coach my last two years. Um, and that kind of just happened. Uh, he kind of stepped down from his position. He was running an academy uh, with his brother. And Modern Day offered him the opportunity to come in and coach uh, along with Burt Call. And he took it. And I couldn't have been happier to have two guys like that with 10 plus years of major league experience at your disposal in high school. That's invaluable. Uh, Brent main and I did a lot of just catching stuff around the facilities around my house. He, he, his son and I grew up together, so he knew me for a long time and I played travel ball for Adam's team growing up too. So both of them, uh, were invaluable to, to my progress, my senior year. Were they able to give you much insight as far as what you could expect going through the draft process and you know, how far you've been so far in the minors? Absolutely. I'm still in touch with both of them. They talk to me on a daily basis. Uh, Brent is a scout with the Dodgers, so he kind of had more insight on everything, how everything was going down to the wire near to the draft. Um, he wasn't telling me anything, but kind of just what to expect and walking me through the process because I had I'd never been with it. I don't have any siblings, so no brothers that have already been through it. Adam, uh, but uh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 no. Just say Adam Kennedy, World Series champion. That's right. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I was actually at the the Angels Parade 2002 when I was like four. So he and I go way back. I have a picture of him and I when I was like four. He was autographing some stuff for me. He didn't even know. Uh, see, I dig that. I dig that stuff. You know, you see that every once in a while on MLB Network, where it'll be like some rookie, you know, hot shot rookie, and it'll be a picture of him with a major leaguer that he plays for. Uh, happened with the Dodgers and Chase Utley. Uh, I said Chase Utley. Um, like a a kid, 
he grew up idolizing Chase Utley, and there was a picture of him with Utley back in the day. I think he was um, in Philly back then. And, like, he tweeted, like, my, my hero now is my teammate. It's, like, insane. It's the beauty of social yeah. media and, and how it goes. So, do those, so along with coaching your, your game, do they talk about the mental aspect of, of baseball, uh, of, you know, kind of like a learning to fail and being okay with, you know, trusting the process and, and whatnot? Uh, absolutely. I, I can't speak for other organizations, obviously, but uh, the stress that's placed on it within our organization is head and shoulders above anything I've done before. Uh, we have a couple of people in particular, uh, Dave Bingham and Jason Amoroso, who head up that department. And uh, they were in touch with me all off season, sending me videos, podcasts, checking in to see how I was doing. We talked. They've both been uh, integral to, to my season last year, definitely, for sure. There was definitely some rocky points. Uh, they, they got me through it and they talked to me. And they come in town, they travel. So it's always great to be able to just talk face to face. But there's definitely some some podcasts and some some clips that they've sent me that I watch on a near day everyday basis, uh, just as a constant reminder. It's like a like a self affirmation or a confidence boost kind of a thing. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, uh, I happened to meet Steve Springer in high school. Okay. Uh, he's he's obviously got some great stuff out there. Um, I'm always listening to his CD and a couple other podcasts he's got out there. Uh, great guy, great stuff. Definitely take that stuff to heart. Makeup, makeup is huge. It, it's such you know, it's so hard when, particularly when you're in you know, you're up in Tri Cities and in short season ball, and you know you're over nineteen and you're just struggling, and you start gripping the bat a little tighter, and you know you can really get off base, or you can get off track. Well, real I'm sure fast, playing in front of small, you know, small, small fan fan groups and all of that, it's. It's a grind. It's a long yeah. season. So I'm sure it's easy to get discouraged at some point. And so you've got to keep that long-term goal in, in mind and keep working for it. So, Absolutely. So you've always had a strong arm, right? Yeah. What was... Well, actually, you know what? I, I actually know. Um, I mean, I, I above average, but I uh, actually ended up doing a weighted ball program before my senior year with my trainer back home. And... Uh, out of nowhere like along with that weight gain like my arm strength my senior year i came out throwing and i'm like i got a little bit extra now i don't i didn't know where it came from but that definitely was a contributing factor long toss uh, i'd finally figured out how to keep my arm healthy it went until my rookie rookie year but now we're back on track with all that but uh yeah uh senior year everyone's like where'd this arm come from so what was the shoulder injury that you had that your uh your first year pro ball so uh, I had some other lingering stuff from high school. Like I had a stress fracture that I had just been playing with. Uh, and I had this thing called internal impingement. Uh, it's kind of a general term. It's some stuff in the, in the shoulder, pinched, didn't know how to release it. I did about four or five months of rehab. And, and finally, I, I ended up going home, found a PT back home that was, with, that was suggested by the Padres and kind of got it all straightened out. A big thing was uh, increasing flexibility, not just in the shoulder, but the entire body, and that's been a main focus uh, the past uh, two off seasons for sure. So they, helped me stay healthy. They had you DH that year to keep your your shoulder healthy, but then last year you caught, and I think I saw in Donovan's notes that you caught more innings than anybody else in yeah. the Northwest League. So those those issues are behind you now, huh? Yeah, um, I I definitely had to to start preparing every day and taking taking my activation and, and stretching seriously. It definitely wasn't something I cared about in high school. I mean, I was immature, just thought I could roll out there and, and roll with the punches. But 
after being injured after being injured i've realized i gotta take care of my body absolutely when when we're 16 we can do that it's (laughs) weird the body's all made of cartilage and it just recovers right away i just turned 20 and i feel like an old man already Uh, well that's because you have the you don the tools of ignorance um (laughs) so do you so in the offseason do you um you do yoga do you do uh any pilates do you you know do you have a stretching program or anything like that or how does that work uh, for stretching, uh, on top of the stuff I do with my trainer, um, I do do hot yoga the last two, actually since a couple of years in high school too. Uh, my mom was really big into it and she used to, no matter what injury it was, she'd just tell me hot yoga will fix it. And, uh, it started to, it definitely helps with, uh, range of motion in my shoulder, uh, for sure. But I do hot yoga, uh, no Pilates yet, but that's definitely in the near future for sure. Dude, okay. So Pilates is tough. You know, okay. the the tough guys at the gym were like, oh, Pilates for chicks. Dude, try it. Try it. It'll kill you. So have have the Padres recommended certain training regimens or exercises or anything like that for your off-season workouts? Yeah, in, in, in terms of strength gain and weight gain, absolutely. Uh, we have this app called Team Builder that they put all of our workouts on. Uh, fortunately for me, I have a, a, like a pretty much a one-on-one trainer back home that we can kind of Nice. break down break down and kind of make any variations of any of the moves we need to make but i pretty much stick strictly to that uh with a few variations like squats and deadlifts and stuff like that so what did they have you working on this off season did they give you specific goals yeah uh they my we had like a little sheet before we left it was uh just to continue with my weight gain on a steady pace uh increase flexibility to help with uh sitting lower to the ground and then right. they wanted me to, to try and bolster some upper body strength to help alleviate any stress off my shoulder. So you mentioned sitting lower. You're tall for a catcher. You're yeah, six, very, four. six four. So yeah, six four. And and there's a common knock on tall catchers that you can't receive the low pitch or that you know, for whatever reason and the I guess the the nimbleness of fielding you know, getting down and blocking and fielding uh, bunts and all of that. Um, and so the focus for you has been flexibility and, and range of motion and that kind of stuff to help. Yeah, with that. absolutely ankles knees everything in the lower half hips to open up um i actually just got a chance to look at some of my receiving numbers from last year anything on the corners and the top of the zone i owned but that bottom of the zone was just tough for me and i I, i'm the first to admit it i wasn't where i needed to be on the bottom of the zone i started to make some adjustments in instructional league and i think i'm in a better spot now for spring training so i'm pretty positive looking forward to, to owning the entire strike zone yeah that's interesting i don't think the players would have had that data even five years ago uh, because now yeah. the, there's TrackMan and all this at, at all these ballparks, so now they can show you these are the pitches that you've been able to get. These are the pitches you should have had. That's- Even these are the pitches that were strikes, but they were called a ball because you were you weren't positioned well. Or yeah, you were catching, receiving in a different area. That's interesting. I think Salvador Perez is like six four, and he's a beast. Oh yeah, he's an excellent. He's an yeah, excellent catcher. He's a, he's a big dude. Definitely with uh, with the data we have nowadays, it makes it easier for us uh but there's definitely a responsibility that comes along with it because we don't have any excuses you have to right. to take control to take control of your game and get in the video room i mean we got for example like some of those those pitches we're seeing on the on trackman today we can press on the pitch and i can see the video from when it happened and i can i can find out in real time exactly why i didn't get that pitch that's amazing that is freaking incredible so have you worked yeah. on any like biometric kind of stuff to look at your throwing motion or your your hitting motion to see if there's efficiency that you can that you can get back or any of that stuff so uh back home with my hitting coach they actually have i we don't have i to my knowledge we haven't done any of that with the padres i have gotten to look at like 
some of those uh, rehab sleeves that they use for pitchers recovering from UCL. Oh, yeah, yeah. Interesting. They, uh, it tests the internal, external stress on the UCL, all that stuff to, to see if your throwing motion, how efficient it is. Um, uh, obviously, like I've, I've kind of fixed my throwing motion a lot more in the last couple of years to help support my shoulder and not put any stress on anything. So I'm more efficient in that aspect. Uh, we can break down video for sure with the swing. Uh, it doesn't give us like numbers or anything exactly on what the rate of efficiency, but it's definitely a, a valuable tool. Well, and, and just speaking, Kona, kind of go back to your throwing program and using the weighted balls and using long toss. Uh, Robert Stock, the pitcher uh, with the Padres, has a podcast called the Try Harder Podcast. And this is going to be the first time where I'm going to say don't listen to that podcast because uh, he doesn't recommend long toss. He doesn't recommend um, weighted balls. I don't know if he'd recommend weighted balls, but his the way he gained velocity, the way he does arm care is totally unorthodox. It works because he throws in you know 100 miles an hour. But um, if you ever get a chance, do get to listen to it because they're really funny. It's him and his brother. Just don't take any of his advice. Well, it's oh yeah. It's it, it, at first he says that well like I, I don't stretch and I don't have a recovery program but then once you hear him talk about it a little bit more there's you can tell that there's an understanding about biometrics about yeah. physiology um, listening to your body and they do a whole lot they've got a lot of weightlifting and 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 exercises that support the throwing thing it's not just roll out of bed and throw as hard as you can that's what he makes it sound that, like. that's what he frames it as. <laughs> Yeah, in, so, ter- in terms of in terms of that, and with the the different you know philosophies nowadays on the pitching and hitting side about you know guys like driveline that they big weighted ball guys and some guys are not at all. You got the launch angle guys. You got all this other stuff. I've never really bought into that in, into any of that. I'm just a big I'm in favor of like the proponent that you need to do what suits your body, suits your swing, suits your, your throwing motion the best. I definitely don't think there's one right answer, but I think guys need to try different methods and figure out what works best for them. Sure, and you're still learning. You're you're developing, and I'm, I mean, as as a golfer, I went. I still go through that. You you pick up a tip and you try it and you see if it works. And if it works, you keep it. If it doesn't, you try something else. You no, know, and the pitching engine talks about that too. Like, there's no one way to to for mechanics. It's what your body does, how it works, and what works for you. It's not cookie cutter. Uh, so let's go. Let's go back to draft day. So you knew you were getting drafted, yeah, on the first day? Uh, I had a pretty good idea. Um, yeah, I actually – two of my best friends are Nick Prado and Hagen Banner. They went on the first day as yeah. well. I've grown up with them. And, and actually, I had plans to just go to their draft party and all of our friends. We have the same friends. Like, if, if I would have gotten drafted too, that would have been awesome. And uh, it would have been great. But uh, my agent actually called me a few days before and said, hey, I think it would be better for you to, to have your own thing. So that way – Maybe a cut, they get picked before me. I don't start to stress. You know, it's a very emotional day. There's a lot going on. So I had about 100 people come over to my house, a lot of family, a lot of close friends. That's not stressful it, at all. Uh, right. <laughs> I know, right. Yeah, I definitely, there's a fair share of tears. Um, plenty of, like, anxiety and anxious shaking for sure. Uh, it was definitely, I had the right people around me, though, and I got to see hear my name and see my face on TV. It was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> That must be, it's just got to be incredible. How was the spread? What kind of food did you guys have there? I believe we catered this company uh, called Bear Flag. And uh, I love seafood. Like, that's my thing. California seafood, like oh, yeah. anything. So I think we actually had that come in. Uh, everyone loved it. It's a, it's a, definitely a favorite down here. 
I'm creating lightning round questions as we speak, so I'm just trying to get some more. I, I, I actually saw that one pop up on the screen. You guys said California burrito <laughs> fish tacos. My bad for answering it early. That's all right. You can ah. answer it again later. Um, so the Padres selected you. Were other teams talking with you? Did you have a good uh, idea that the Padres were going to be the team that selected you? Uh, absolutely. There are a few other teams. Uh, obviously, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't until uh, about the second round projected. So. Um, there was definitely a lot of moving pieces ahead of me. Like certain people had to be picked in certain places for certain deals to work out. And my agent was pretty much on the phone with me every other 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Uh, a few other teams, the, the Twins, the Royals, uh, I believe the Orioles, they were all right around that same area. And uh, uh, AJ Preller called my agent right after uh, they picked my fellow catcher, Campisano, and they just said, hey, we want him at 69 and my agent called me and I was like, that couldn't have worked out better. I'm Southern California kid. That'd be amazing. And we cleared everybody out and I still, I still couldn't believe it until they actually announced my name. So you were picked right after another high school catcher. I, I remember when that happened, I thought that that was really unusual that I mean, often teams try to shy away from high school catchers because it right. takes a while to, for a catcher to make it into the big leagues. But to take one catcher and then another. So um, do you and Luis have any kind of relationship? Do you guys get along? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I was actually just down talking to him about 15 minutes before in the lobby talking right before we, uh, we started the interview. He's a good guy. He's a hard worker. He's uh, definitely a talented kid, a lot of power. Uh, he, I didn't get to play with him uh, in, since rookie ball. Obviously, mm -hmm. he was in Fort Wayne this year. Um, yeah, he's a, a great catcher. It's always cool for the two of us to, to kind of – be neck and neck and competing with each other because that's only going to make us better. So does seeing him a level ahead of you, does that kind of put a target on his back that you want to catch him? Uh, not necessarily. I've kind of, you know, actually I, I comes with immaturity that I've kind of tried to shy away from and grow from. Uh, initially when I got drafted, that was definitely something that was on my mind. But in the recent months and following the second half of last year, I kind of learned with the help of my mental mental skills coordinators to, to kind of put that behind me. I don't, I, that's not my focus. My focus is pitch to pitch while I'm in the game. I shouldn't be focusing on any of that other stuff and taking care of what I can take care of. That's true. You got no control over what he's doing. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Could... I wish him, I wish him the best. And obviously I want to see him succeed, but I want to succeed just as much, if not more. So. Yeah. There's yeah. always that healthy competition, but you shouldn't even text him like, Hey, I went four for four with, you know, six RBIs. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> um, Go on. You want to ask questions? So when you got drafted and uh, you came to the complex, um, how did that whole process play out? That did that go pretty quickly? Yeah, um, I was. That whole week was such a haze for me. I it was the, being drafted that that high in the first place. Literally six months before, I would have never even dreamed of. So that entire week showing up, I was still nervous, not sure about if I belonged. Um, it happened to be like the the hottest heat wave in Arizona in like a couple of years. It was like 124 during minicamp. Like, Ooh, yeah, it, I remember that. It, it was it was it was just a lot of of just new places, new faces. It was just kind of take it all in stride. Um, I I couldn't tell you anything about minicamp. I don't remember. I just remember <laughs> signing. Si I remember signing that contract and and being with my parents and my agent. And that was one of the coolest moments of my life. And then rookie ball started, and, and that was a grind. Obviously, being hurt wasn't the, my plan at all. 
but it, I just had to roll with the punches and do the most of what I could uh, as a DH. So was the injury apparent real quick when you, when you reported it, or did it take a little bit for you to notice? Um, I actually ended, I think I caught two or three games and obviously with the stress of like a, a rolling straight through a, a high school season or like, for example, for the college guys, a college season and doing all those pre-draft workouts. And I was just airing it out every day. Uh, and obviously when we showed up, I still wanted to prove that the Padres had made the right choice. And so I was airing every single throw out as hard as I could. And after a while, a couple of the coaches started noticing, Hey, you just, you look a little uncomfortable. You all right. And I'm like, yeah, I just kind of got some soreness some stiffness and they kind of noticed and they're like, you know, I should probably shut it down. So I, they had my best interest in mind. That, that must've been a hard pill to, for you to swallow though. There's a lot of pride there. Absolutely. I definitely felt like I was falling behind and, um, my biggest thing that I had the last couple of years in, internally was that I wanted to, to prove the Padres right, that they had made the right selection right, with right. me. That's obviously not, not an easy decision for a team to make, to, to make an investment in a player. And I just didn't want to, to let them down. So that's always been my thing. I just want to prove them right. Well, and that's, that's interesting because you can actually do more harm than good by working through a, you know, working through an injury, but the, you know, these guys that are, they see guys day in and day out. This is their job. They're like, you don't look good. What's up? And you aren't lying. You're like, I'm good, bro. And they're going to no, you're not. You're not good. What's going on? I, I can understand that the need to want to like work through that injury because you always hear people, yeah, everyone works through injuries. Yeah, throughout the whole season, it's a grind. We're always bumped up and bruised. Yeah, rub some But that early, it. you know, differently that early in your career, you want to be like, yeah, this is what happened, you know, four months ago in my high school career. Um, so one thing we skipped over was that you had committed to Pepperdine. And it sounds yeah. like you were pretty bought into that system that you had a relationship with the coaches and all that stuff. Um, and the Padres wound up having to, to go over bonus to over slot to, to sway you away from your commitment. Um, how did that whole process play out? How long did that take? Um, yeah, I mean, once uh, I had definitely had a strong commitment, to Pepperdine I committed there as a junior, uh, they were, they were bought in on me just as much as I was bought in on them. I'd been up and talked to the coaches a few times about the draft process and how everything was moving along. Um, I definitely, I had, I had a feeling like I didn't want to, to abandon them. They had made a commitment to me for a scholarship. And I felt like if I would have signed, I would have kind of left them hanging with, with no catcher in my class. So I, they actually are the ones that introduced me to the agency I have now. Oh, nice. They thought that they thought that it would be most important that I would be as well informed as I could to make the best decision. So actually, I have nothing but respect for Coach Hertensteiner and Coach Fouts that were there because the they they were looking out for my best interests. Like they didn't they said if the money's right, if you feel this is life changing event, like you definitely need to go for it. You know, so I work for a university and you know, and I and I and I follow a lot of university baseball here in San Diego. Uh, coach Rich Hill is a, is the man is the coach for uh, USD baseball here, and and whenever he talks about playing, whenever he talks about his players, it. it He's like, I'm not developing baseball players. I'm developing young men. I'm developing men. It's about developing a person, not a ball player. You know, and, and this is uh, it, that's huge when it comes to that. Uh, you know, at UCSD, same thing. Um, Coach Newman there. You know, they're developing young men, not guys that get drafted. You know, not guys that get drafted to make his program look any better. He's developing these people to be solid human beings. And oh, by the way, they play. You know baseball so that's that that sounds so cool that they uh you know that they would go out of their way to like show you that was more important than them wanting them to sign you absolutely yeah i definitely think it was it was 
good for a coaching staff like that in my position to, to, to be so supportive. Um, exactly what you were just talking about, about the USD program and Coach, coach Hill. Uh, my high school football coach, uh, very famous for modern day, Coach Rawlinson, um, ever since I started doing strength camps there as a 6th, 7th, 8th grader, going into high school to play a little bit of football, he that was his big motto was, I, I'm developing young men of character. I don't, yeah. whatever happens on the football field, that's what happens. And I, he's preparing us for life. And that was something that I kind of took throughout my entire high school career. So you played a little bit, did you play football for modern day? And were there any other sports you played growing up? Um, I did. I played football my freshman year. Uh, right around sophomore year, I had to make the decision if I wanted to to buy into baseball just fully. Uh, modern day is a, is a, like it's basically a sports academy. Like you, wow. sports are an important part of of what it is there, and it's a grind. So, two sport athlete there is definitely you're asking a lot. And I knew that I, what I wanted to do with my life is I want to play baseball. So I kind of just I bought in 100% to baseball. Um, but football was definitely a, a, a good learning experience and something that I could take forward through the rest of my, uh, my life. What was your position? I was going to say a tight end. Uh, yeah, tight end and wide receiver. I played yeah. a little bit outside linebacker. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I was, I was much taller than the other kids and I was a little bit quicker. I had good hands. So receiver and tight end worked out pretty well. All right. So. God, where are we at? Where are we at here? What are we so doing? when you started this last season, you struggled a little bit out the gate. Uh, were there any adjustments you had to make to get back on track? Oh, 100%. This was uh, about the biggest up and down year I could have imagined. Uh, coming out of spring training, I was working my butt off to, to break with a full season. Obviously, there's the, the downfall and the emotional, you know, the dropout whenever you see the roster and you're not on it. And, you, you know, you go through extended. That's definitely a grind. Even in extended, I had a lot of up and down. I had, I think the, of the two and a half months, I think I had an up month, a down month, and then something in between. And I didn't, I didn't know how to deal with failure that much because I really hadn't struggled that much to that point. Uh, when I went to Tri-City, came out of the gate pretty hot. I think the first 20, 25 games, I was hitting pretty well, over 300. Not really, not a lot of power shown, not a lot of strikeouts. I showed good, good play discipline, and then July hit. And whatever happened, I tried to get big. My swing, just whatever happened, I just, I think I ended up hitting 200 on the month. And there was definitely some phone calls with old coaches, anybody that would help, and I was just like, I need to figure something out. I just, you get to that point and you're 0 for 20. I can remember I was 0 for 20 in, in the Spokane series and I'm facing one of my buddies, Hans Kraus. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's balling out there on the mound and, and we're joking and laughing. And finally I got a hit off of him. And that was kind of the turning point. Nice. I kind of, I, it made me more loose. I started to play more free. Cause I mean, that at bat, I was like, Oh, I'm just facing my buddy here. I'm like, he's going to try and beat me a hundred in on my hands and I'm going to turn on him. That's kind of, <laughs> And uh, my hitting coach in Tri-City, uh, Pat Sullivan, he was a huge proponent of, of my turnaround. Like he was he was in there before games, after games, anytime I needed him. And I was, he's, a, he's a big guy like me. He's long levers. So he was kind of teaching me what, what helped him stay short to the ball. And I started making a two-strike adjustment. In the second half that last month, I started to go off, started having all these homers, doubles, all these extra base hits. So I was hitting the ball hard, seeing the ball well, not striking out, like all the everything you need as a hitter. And it was kind of, again, I was playing free. I was playing like just see the ball, hit the ball, and it, it all worked out. Yeah, there, we talked to Ty France a few weeks ago, and there was a quote that he gave us that I can't say uh, while the record button is on, but I'll tell you. Uh, after we're done, something that Tony Gwynn shared That's, with yeah. him because he played for Tony at San Diego State. But it's a it's a pretty funny quote that plays to that. But I'll tell you later. Yeah, definitely. I'll <laughs> tell you later. So um, you talked about receiving, um, and 
game calling is something that that is supposed to be a calling card for you. Uh, what have you learned about about reading batters, reading pitchers, um, you know, calling a game and and working with the pitcher throughout the game? I, I never like to be to be cocky or overconfident, but I I'd say I I have a pretty you know innate trait that I I've always been like baseball savvy and I think I've always just been able to pick up on hitters tendencies and and like when you have foul ball recognition and stuff like that like you first of all you see where a hitter sets up in the box see what adjustment like the big thing is you see what see what they do on takes if they're out in front of their front leg or if they're strong in their back like they know they're seeing the ball well out of the hand those are those are huge uh just just little like tidbits you can take away from a hitter and uh uh, one thing that the Padres stress in the catching department is foul ball recognition, and uh, so obviously, what, like what, what exactly does that mean? Yeah. Uh, so, like, uh, obviously, your main goal as a catcher is to to be on the same page with a hitter and you're with a pitcher, and you're gonna you're gonna call a pitch, and you're catching that pitch to the best of your ability. But you need to be able to recognize if a hitter is late, like where the foul ball is going. Like, if he obviously when the ball goes down the lines, you can easily tell if he's late or early. But balls to the back of the screen, like you can see, it's getting in on his hands, and he's a righty fists it over the net, over the your right shoulder. You know he's a tiny bit late, and you can go to that three spot up and in with a heater if you know that pit, if that's working to the pitcher's strengths. So you're making adjustments in the middle of the at bat based on what the batter's doing. Oh, absolutely. Before before any pitch I call, I'm watching the hitter. Like I want to see after a pitch if he fouls one back or he has a good take if he moves in the box at all if he moves up on the plate uh where his hands are like just little things like that i want I, the little things that you can pick up on or are, are there any pitchers that were working with you on that like after the inning you get would get back and yeah talk to talk to the pitcher about what you saw and then you are there any pitchers uh, that we, were picking things up well with you on that yeah fortunately uh we had a game plan on every hitter uh to start the game so uh, obviously I broke down the numbers and I knew each hitter a little bit more specifically than the pitchers. So I was in control of that. But obviously when you get these more advanced hitters and, and college hitters now, and uh, obviously uh, the only hitters are only going to get better from here on out. Yeah. But they, they make adjustments in, a, in, in, in the middle of an at bat. And right. that's obviously if, if I try to outsmart a hitter and, and they comes back to bite me, it's on me. It's not on the pitcher because I'm responsible for that pitch call. And I never, I never want to make a, I never want to call a pitch to work away from a hitter's strengths. And like, if a, if a hitter's on a fastball and I, I'm trying to stay away from that, but my pitcher's more confident, he's a guy that wants to attack with a fastball. I'm gonna work to the pitcher's strengths. I'm not gonna shy away from it just because the hitter's good. Damn, dude, that is, this is a 20 year old catcher in our organization. <laughs> this Blake, dude, I, I'm I'm incredibly impressed. So, were there any coaches that were helping you with those game plans and all of that? Yeah, uh, so I'd go over a, a pregame report or a pre-series report with uh, the pitching coach. This year it was Giancarlo Alvarado. Uh, he basically one-on-one. He and I would break down heat maps. Uh, we did spray charts. Like obviously, that gives you most of the hitters' tendencies. Um, a lot of times you can I'd be able to visualize the heat map in front of me while I was calling a pitch which is pretty easy like that makes pitch calling so much easier what like you'd and have then, it on a thing on your sleeve or something oh no 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 I just like I could picture it in my head like I'm just like for example uh Griffin Conine he was with Vancouver this year I mean his entire heat map was just down and in and so I just <laughs> like if I went down and in I 
or it was a mistake, like it was going over the fence. And I knew that because he's a strong kid and he swings hard. So uh, I definitely, depending on the pitcher, like with Henry Henry this year, he's a big sinker. He works off the, the fat four seam sinker. So, I mean, I'd go up and in just for show. And then I'd kind of feed that sinker change up off the outer half against Conine, who's a lefty and nothing against him as a player. But I mean, a lot of times he'd get himself out cause he'd get impatient and he'd roll over on that change up sinker instead of trying to go the other way with it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Again, that's crazy that you have that kind of data. This is the Northwest League rookie league right, this is rookie level, league level, and you've got heat maps and spray charts. I that that isn't something that you had five years ago. What you'd know if he's righty or lefty, if he's a big guy or a little guy, and you just have to kind of eye the ball, eyeball the guy, and try to figure out a game plan. That's impressive. Oh thing. no, I, I definitely want to go into every game as prepared as I can because I don't want to ever have to leave anything up to chance, and I never want to have to have that situation late in the game where I have to to think twice about a pitch call and then that be the, the, the changing play of the game. Like if, I, if I'm not for sure on a pitch call and the kid ends up hitting a homer and we go down, like that's my worst nightmare. I never want to make that mistake. Well, that's why most catchers are like the knowledge you have to have to be a catcher is why most catchers turn into major league managers. Yeah, there there really is an internal everything. chess game going on there. Uh, have you worked with Riley Westman at all? Yeah, yeah, I work with Riley every single day. He's uh he's the catching coordinator for our organization. Fortunately, I've been able to to work out with him in the off season as well, whether it be in Arizona or down at the stadium in San Diego. And he's definitely someone that I'm always in contact with, sending him video on what I'm working on. Um, I actually ended up buying uh, a a machine this off season that I could work on receiving work with my dad. So I would send him video like once or twice a week on what I was working on. And he'd give me feedback. So that was definitely valuable for, for my growth receiving-wise. So like your dad was tossing balls to you and you were you were recording yourself on video as you catch? Yeah, I, I bought one of those uh, pitching machines that we, we, were, we use at the facility. Uh, and he would just feed the machine. And we'd set it up on like 90, 95 and set it up on tough parts of the zone, bottom, bottom half of the zone. And I'd catch for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, get more than enough reps in. And then wow. I'd yeah, send, send video over. Was that the kind of machine where you could set it up for spin and stuff too? Yeah, it's like one of those three-wheeled ATEC, uh, high, like pitching machines we use in the facility. The same ones we use here. Oh, that's awesome! You'd use that for batting practice too. Yeah, we'd use it for velo. I'd use it for velo machine just to kind of see some uh, some velo before I left. Oh, that's awesome! I remember hearing when Giancarlo Stanton was new, when he was still called Mike Stanton, um, he was getting beat by by sliders and splitters down in the dirt. And he set one of those machines up so that, like, every once in a while, like, it was, like, breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball. And then it would just spike one, like, by random chance. So we would learn how to recognize those pitches. Ah. But that's that's a heck of a tool for you to have at home. So you mentioned coming to San Diego. Did you spend a lot of time uh, at Petco working out this offseason? Um, I came down for, like, just a couple days at a time uh, for at least, like, over two months. So I, I was probably there three or four times for, like, two days. Um I got to work out of the facility at the stadium. Obviously, everything's at our disposal, full weight room, training staff. Uh, I'd go down there when Riley was in town. That way I could hit with him, catching work with him, which obviously is awesome. Austin Hedges would come in. Uh, Luis Torrens was there. Those are just guys that I want to be around. I want to learn from them. So it's definitely cool when I get to work with them. That's awesome. Very cool. So what are you working on? What are you looking forward to this spring? And what are you working on this spring? Right now, um, my biggest thing, uh, catching wise or hitting wise, sorry. I'm Either one, whatever. Either way, yeah. full, full game. Um, 
behind the plate, uh, I've come back a lot more flexible, and that was one of the goals they gave me, and my receiving's gotten a lot better, and they're really happy with that. The low pitch is something that is always going to be a work in progress for me because I'm just I'm a bigger guy. Uh, I've I've kind of started to become a better receiver in terms of like stopping the ball, like having a a, a firm wrist, and so there's not a lot of movement post contact with my glove, which is great, and they love that. But they uh, they want that low pitch. Obviously, if an umpire is behind you, he's if you stop that pitch, he's going to get a clear view that that pitch is low. Right. So I'm kind of working on getting under and staying under that low pitch as long as I can and getting a little bit of like lift slash gather. It's kind of a weird term to use because you never want to like lift something, but you're trying to make that low pitch maybe two inches higher and making it all one motion. So it's not really noticeable. You can see it sometimes when you see the catchers catch. I, I saw some video of uh, Austin catching this, uh, this spring and it's the ball catches low and he just, when he closes his glove, it comes up about an inch or two, and it turns the ball into a strike. Well, and I've noticed that catchers they they like they use the whole glove when they catch. They don't all they're not just. I would think you want to try to catch it right in the pocket where it doesn't hurt. But then they like they they try to get it all the way down on the hairy edge, <laughs> so that it doesn't look like their hand had to move that far. I I find the whole thing of framing a, a fascinating topic. I also find the robo yeah. the robo ump an interesting topic too. But there's so much value that's added just by somebody being a good framer. It... Ah, okay. Hedges. Hedges is the best in the game. Uh, that's guys that, that can that can get those bottom of zone corner pitches. They, that's how they make their money. Guys like Tyler Flowers, Yasmani Grandal, Hedges, Romuto. Hedge, I, in my opinion, Hedges is the best in the game at, at doing that, controlling a game back there. But that, that's that's what that's what you're going to make your money on. Is, as a catcher, you need to steal strikes for your pitchers. Hashtag swoon. <laughs> yeah. We we kind of have a collective crush on Austin Hedges, um, oh, as absolutely. as a whole fan base. Padres yeah, fans bitch. love him. Um, so another thing that Austin's really good at is blocking pitches in the dirt. Uh, have you done, put in a lot of work on on trying to become better at that? What do you do to to improve that? Yeah, for me, um, putting myself in a good position in my secondary is key. That's number one. If I'm in, not in a in, good position to in your secondary, what does that mean? Uh, yeah, so like, you know, if there's a runner on base, um, obviously the catcher is going to like sit up a little <laughs> higher, sit up a little higher and uh, kind of widen out his base a little bit so he can either block or throw. It uh, it just allows you to be in a more athletic position. Um, I, I'm sitting better in that position now a little so bit like that would your, be your primary sec your primary position. Is that what you mean? Yeah, your secondary would be a little bit more raised, like you're ready to throw. And then your primary is going to be when a catcher's sitting lower. He's a little bit more in his legs. He's not. He doesn't need to move out of that position real I see. quick. So um, flexibility is definitely helping with me sit in that position better. But in terms of blocking, uh, I think honestly, it just comes back to your intent. If you're if you're thinking when the pitcher's about to throw this pitch that I'm going to block this ball, like that's the biggest key. If you get caught in between, you're going to be late to the ball. Your your body's not going to get in the right position at the right time, and that's when pass balls or just balls that shoot away from from me happen. So I think it's just a big, big thing is intent that if that this runner like runner on third, I'm blocking this ball. I'm smothering it. You're not scoring. It's just it's all intent. That's great. I wish there was some kind of catching ninja because I really thought you know Blake, you really just gave us a a, a a clinic on catching on all aspects of the game. And uh, we are so 
grateful for you to take this time. And it's been almost over an hour talking to you. So we're going to get you out of here. The catching ninja. I the like that. The catch has it, to be a catching ninja. There's, there's the pitching ninja. Pitching ninja is pretty sick, man. But the catching ninja. Okay. It has to be. All right. So um, we've got a little lightning round here to, to wrap it up. Perfect. Take it, take it away. Dan. All right. So California burrito or fish tacos. Oof. I'll have to go California burrito. So you said you have various music tastes. Kanye or Drake? Drake, 100%. Uh, if I wasn't a baseball player, I'd be a? Oof. If I wasn't a baseball player, I would be... Hmm. That's uh, that's still undecided. I don't know. I, I was uh, undecided as my major going into college, so I guess I'm just got to figure that out. If baseball doesn't work out. Well, well, well yeah, let's it, not worry it, about that well, for a while. Well, it better work out then. Um, most embarrassing song in your playlist? A song that you would like? You don't want your friends to know you have? Oh, oh, my favorite song, uh, "Promiscuous" by Nelly Furtado. Absolutely. Ah, nice. thank God, finally Taylor Swift didn't get See, one. See, now you should make that your walk-up song. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I definitely would, but I'm sure with the little kids in the crowd and some of the lyrics in that song might yeah. not be appropriate. But yeah, that's just the beat and Nelly Furtado. Yeah, it's one of my favorite songs ever. Okay, uh, the song you used to get pumped up to? Um, you know what? I think I put it down on Tri City uh, Questionnaire last year. I think it was uh, Last Resort, Papa Roach. Woo! Okay, nice. So five guys are in and out. Oh, in and out, no shot. Nice. Yeah, that's a SoCal boy sure. right See, there. It's a SoCal boy. Now, there was a recent conversation going around. Some L.A. writer made a whole chart about French fries. And he said that McDonald's had the best fries and that In-N-Out had the absolute worst fries. And I'm going to disagree with him there. I love In-N-Out's fries. I, do, do you do their fries straight up or do you go animal style? Or I go straight up on the fries. I like how they're thin. But with the burger, I go four by four, no tomato, grilled onions. I go, I go big on the burger. Four by four. Wow. Yeah. That's ambitious. Dude. I saw two guys sit down and they ate, I think it was either two or three four by fours a piece. And they're like, yeah, this is a ritual for us. When we get together, this is what we do. I'm like, oh my God, you're close. Oh, yeah, the, the four by four is the way to go for me. I mean, with that, we're trying to get that weight gain in. It's like 1,500 calories. That's the way to go. How do you even eat the whole thing without it coming apart, though? I mean, that's just enormous. <laughs> All right. That's the, that's the fun part. Dude. Okay. Waffles or pancakes? Pancakes. Okay. Hey, um, Blake. Thank you so much, man. I, we really appreciate you. And this has been uh, been a really fun conversation for us. I have learned more from this conversation than any interview that we've done so far. Absolutely. Um, I, I do want to give a shout out to my, my buddy Bones, who did go up and see you up in Everett uh, with his daughter, Charlotte. Um, they went and saw you. So um, tell them, say hi. <laughs> hi for hi yeah. from Bones. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I love love seeing up up there. I love I always love getting to meet fans like they travel or if we're down at San Diego for the prospect game. Um, I never I always love getting to to meet fans. Like it's just always get to to see who's following the franchise and who's following us. And and I never stray away from talking to anybody. And I'll have an open conversation. So if any of the fans listening, if you guys ever want to talk or come to the game, just shout shout and I'll be over there. Well, yeah, and you had several pictures. Like you had. You were down on your knees with, you know, with Charlotte and, you know, standing up with him. Uh, absolutely. Well, we're going to be out in, in Peoria, uh, what, the third weekend of March. So 14th through the 17th. We'll, we'll, we'll be come seek you out and we'll uh, we'll heckle you a little bit, give you a hard time. Absolutely. I'm looking get, forward to that. Get that glove down. <laughs> there you go. Now you know all the secrets to my catching. So there you go. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much. And we'll talk to you later. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. 
that was cool. That was by far the most informative interview that we've had, at least for me. That was insane. I learning about the the how he reads a batter in the middle of an at bat. Yeah, and the little nuances in that. I I'm fascinated by that whole part of it. Well, you know, and and they you hear all the time. Oh, he has advanced catching skills, and he has advanced this and and all of that. And you know, as as the fan, you go like, well, that means he's a good catcher. But then hearing him talk about it, it was like a god loving clinic. Like, there's I'm gonna find catching ninja and go like, listen to this podcast because this kid's got it. Yeah, and there's there's two components of it. There's the mental side of having the the understanding, the intuition to pay attention to that level and and read it and understand what you're seeing, and then the physical side of it being able to actually execute it. So. Clearly, he's got the tools for both sides of that, oh and that's that's exciting. So now, I because I'll be honest, I didn't know a whole lot about Blake Hunt other than that he's young, he's a catcher, he's supposed to be really freaking good because right. he was a high draft pick. Um, you know, and uh, what I've read from a couple of interviews with like Mad Friars and whatever. Uh, but now I'm I'm a I'm a big fan. I want to watch this kid oh as much God. as I can. He he should be up in Lake Elsinore uh, probably midway through the season and probably start in short season or not sorry probably start in uh, Fort Wayne with Luis Camposano probably coming to, to uh, Lake Elsinore yeah and then Luis Camposano probably eventually moving up to double A uh, who knows we'll, we'll see barring injuries or whatever but that's some advanced technical skills there yeah it is woo woo excellent day god what a great day what a great day what a great week in well, Padres baseball it is a fantastic day sorry the wife is home now and she is freezing <laughs> um, we want to thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, this has been an incredible season. I think we have like maybe one more interview. Okay. Um, maybe one more interview. Maybe two. Yeah. Um, and then, then I think we can finally say we're done. Well, yeah. With the, I don't know if we're going to be interviewing people through the the season. Maybe we'll still reach out, but I would think more of the season is going to be talking to evaluators. Okay. Uh, uh, people that writers uh you know our prospect live guys and if we're just we, gonna, if we're gonna have a lot of action to talk about yeah. just you know game wrap-ups and stuff yeah, absolutely and if we can get a player here and there maybe we can talk about that over the um you know talking about sam Gini. sam's like i don't know why he didn't talk to you you know um <laughs> i won't name who he said but like i don't see why they you know they're on the road a lot there's a lot of downtime i mean obviously they're done at midnight so it would have to be during a time where either it's a day off or they're you know, where are you at now? Well, we're in between Tacoma and Spokane, you know, or wherever. Yeah, riding know, on the bus. On the bus. <laughs> uh, or in the hotel, just sitting around doing nothing. But it, it's been, I mean, this offseason for me has been incredible for our podcast. I, I can't believe how much, um, how many listeners we've grown. I mean, for me, super nervous in the other room going, I don't uh uh, Chihuahuas and they won <laughs> four to two. Um, that was a great game. Um, God, I wish I had someone else to talk to. Um, to you know, having guys like Buddy Reed and Nick Margavich just come talk to us and you know Blake Hunt, number three guy, he had number three pick. Yeah, number three pick. Padres. Well, third third, third pick. round pick. Yeah, second round pick. He was our third pick. Yes, incredible. Yeah. Well, now we know why they picked him, because he knows his stuff. He sure does. And he sounds teachable. That's... Well, he puts in the work, too. Yeah. You want to say it? I'll say it. I'm saying it. All right. You can reach me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am at Zippy underscore TMS. Go Manny Machado and go Padres. Go Padres. Go Padres.